Welcome to the Burning Bush Podcast, a place where Exodus fraternity leaders and those aspiring leaders can hear directly from their brothers from across the globe and discuss burning questions every fraternity leader is asking. I'm your host, Nick Meyer, from the Exodus team. And this is our inaugural episode. And our topic for today is why I said yes, the pros and cons. Before I started at Exodus, I had the chance to serve as a missionary with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, which gave me incredible first-hand experience in leading men through Bible studies and discipling them one-on-one. Looking back, it's clear that this time with Focus would become so immensely valuable to me as I stepped into my career at Exodus. Today, we're going to hear from different Exodus fraternity leaders from around the U.S., about why they decided to say yes to leading a fraternity, as well as hear about the obstacles they had to overcome in making those decisions, and also the obstacles they faced after making it too. Our first guest today is Adam Minahan, the host of the popular podcast, The Catholic Man Show, and a longtime Exodus fraternity leader, and now also our very new head of marketing at Exodus. Adam, so grateful that you're here with us today to kick off the Burning Bush podcast. And, you know, as we really kind of jump into um, like being a leader in a fraternity and just saying yes to the Lord and the pros and the challenges and what comes along with that, I'm very curious what brought you to the point that you knew you were being called to lead a fraternity? Yeah, that's a great question. I I love being able to be a part of this Uh the, I think it actually started bef- the year before I became a leader. So the year before, a group of guys that I, you know, a group of my friends, we were all talking about doing Exodus together. But no one was like really stepping up. No one really was like like solidifying this idea that we were going to do it. And then one of my friends said, okay, I will lead this and let's do it. And so we did it and we all did it together. And it was like, it changed my life. It changed the way I prayed to our, like with our Lord. It, it, it changed my relationship with our Lord. Mm. Right. And so I remember the next year, uh, the guy, the leader who started that, he was going, going to do a different group. He was going to lead a different group. And there was another group of guys that were talking about like maybe doing Exodus 90. And I realized at that moment, like, okay, I'm called to say, I'm called to say yes to this. I'm called to be a man of action and just and do it. Like I was, there was some hesitancies there. There was like, I'm not sure if I could actually do it very well, or if I was the man who was needed for this job or the, you know, this application. But I said, I'm going to do it because I can, I remember a year before the guy before said, I'm going to do it. And the impact that it had, not only for him, not only for me, but for our whole fraternity. And like, well, you know, once you have that impact, it's hard not to say yes for, for other guys, right? It's hard not mm-hmm. to, to, to give that back. So I, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step up. I'm going to do this. Yeah. I love that. Now you mentioned some hesitancies. So were there any, uh, other than, yeah, I'm not sure if I could do this, you know, so were there any other ones in, ter- in terms of doubts that you had, and then maybe kind of layered kind of secondarily on this is once you were in it, mm-hmm. it, it what did you find for, was a challenge in leading if, if there were very many? Um, and leading a fraternity. Yeah. So a couple of things like, you know, when you first start, 
you know, they, they, there's some vulnerability, right, to, to being a leader, like, to opening up and saying, like, here's some of my struggles this week. Here's what I struggled with. Here's some of my wins, but here's also some of the things that I really kind of struggled with. Well, if you have guys there that you you already know well, like sometimes that's hard to do, right? Because you're not you haven't opened your your life up maybe in that aspect to these people, right? There's a, some vulnerability there. There's rawness that you have to like really share with these guys. And I was like, I'm not sure if I am willing to share. Like, I don't know if I wanted to share that with them. Um, there's a sense of pride, I think, there, right? Like, I you know, thinking I, I don't want them to to know that I'm struggling with this. You know, I didn't. I don't want them to know that. You know, I, I like this is hard for me. Um, you know, and and so like I think that that was that was part of it, right? Is this whole like swallowing of my pride of saying like, no, it's okay. I can I can I can be vulnerable here, right? I can be I can tell them like, yeah, I am, mm-hmm. and then like that vul- that openness, like being able to finally like say, oh, here here like this vulnerability actually gave such freedom. It gave freedom, like only for not only for me, but like for the group, because they realized, like, okay, yeah, so we can we can just we can be real with each other. Mm-hmm. So that's one. That was one hardship that I had, and it, like another one that I felt like was difficult to say. Everybody's coming from different uh, walks of life, maybe different personalities, right? We have some personalities that are like rule followers, right? Say the black, do the red. You know, like they are like rule followers, and they don't mind. They don't mind all the rules, like they because it's laid out for them. They can do it. Mm-hmm. But there's other guys who, who, who you know, that's just not their personality, right? And so to be able to balance that in a group sometimes is a little difficult, right? You know, because I don't want the guys who are rule followers dominating the conversation, saying like, "Yep, this is like this is what we're doing," and, and like it's not that bad because this is what we're doing. Versus the other guys who are like, you know, just struggling and like you know gripping on like. It, as hard as they can just to just to stay you know afloat i don't want them to be discouraged because like yeah this is not easy this is like we're called like the the reason why it's hard is because it shows us some of the things that we're maybe unhealthily attached to that we can give to our lord you know that we we can present it back to him um and so like being able to, to to juggle some of those conversations and like you know really giving other like men who may be more introverted or maybe not rule followers the time to to talk during our fraternity meetings was really important and actually incredibly valuable for forging the fraternity that we have even today. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Is there, as you kind of talk about that balance of the conversation, right? And the personalities within there, Mm -hmm. uh, was that something you knew up front or did you discover that, you know, as you got into it and then you were like, Oh, uh, what do I, how do I do this? And maybe Mm -hmm. you already knew kind of how to navigate those, yeah, just different person. You basically creating an environment where everybody does have a place to speak. Because I think that's a challenging thing with any fraternity is you've got these dynamics, and you've got Bill over here who he'll jump in and say anything all the time, and then you've got Frank over here who you know you you're not going to hear anything from him unless you call on him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I knew that there was a couple guys like the Bills in in, in the group, right? That he, they're willing to talk. Anytime you, you give them the opportunity. And I also knew that there were some of the other guys who, who, who wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really about reading, you know, some of the, the people in the room. Like, so we have, a, we have a priest there in our group. And uh, I could tell, in the, you know, that morning that he was struck, like, like he, he was very quick. He was very fast in, in like his, here's what we were doing this. So he cares how I was doing. It was very quick, very, uh, very brief. 
And so I really wanted to lean back into him because that's not normally how he was. And so we went all around and then I like said, Hey father, like I, I, I'm really curious about like something, you, you know, you didn't really say, say a whole lot about your week. How's your prayer life? And then I just shut up. You know, then I just I was, was trying like, just like quiet. And it gave him the opportunity to be vulnerable. It gave him that opportunity that he wasn't willing necessarily to take at first. But then that, that second time, man, it was so impactful for, I just, I remember like how impactful it was for our fraternity for him to say, you know what? Uh, this was a really tough week for me. Hmm. Um, I really struggled with not, you know, not drinking alcohol. I was on, I was like three, three different parties. You know, everybody was there drinking. I didn't want to be the weird one, not drinking. And then I realized uh, uh, my unhealthy attachment to like, why is that? Why am I so attached to that? And then it really opened up my prayer life. Like it really showed me something that I was not even aware of. Hmm. And like being able to hear that from a priest, from your spiritual father is, is so, is such a, a, an impactful moment for, for the group. And so um, I think that it's just, this is something that you learn as you go, right? You just learn as you go the first week, like don't try to do anything, you know, don't try like to, to, to be systematic about it. Just let it happen. Like everybody can go around talk about one thing. And then like, as the weeks go, you really kind of fall into this rhythm of, okay, this is what's going to happen here. You kind of can predict, you give the opportunity to make sure that if somebody's quiet, if somebody's like not willing to share, like circle back. Even if, if it's even private, even you have to fine, but like circle back to them. Yeah. I love that. There's, there's two, two really kind of key things you're talking about there. And, and one is, um, I think that letting that, um, fraternity, like just getting to know each other right mm -hmm. in that beginning part, right. There's, there's, unless you all know each other at the, at the front start, but a lot of times guys don't all know each other that well. Like for example, my fraternity that I, that I had this past 90, I knew all of the guys. I didn't know any of them. Mm. As yeah. in like, I, I knew them from the parish. They were mm -hmm. in my parish. I'd see them in the pews. I would see them here and there at, at things, but I'd had no depth with any of them. And so we get together for the first meeting. It's just like, who are you? Right. You know, like, tell me about your story. You know, just a little bit of your story. And uh, so a little trust building in that. And then you start to get to know the personalities over time. And I think the second thing that you said, Adam, that, that really jumps out to me is, you don't have to have it all figured out from the start. No. Even on something is like, you know, quote unquote, which would seem basic of just like getting out the guys involved. It's okay. If you don't know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I love how you talked about the parish. Like so this last exodus that I, the last 90 I did was with uh, parishioners and I, same, same thing. I knew of them, didn't know them. And like you walk out of that, you know, on, on day 91, you realize like, I'm, I'm surrounded with a bunch of holy guys that I did not realize you know, were men of like truly men of God. Um, and so it, it um, it's such a, an avenue to, to, to forge these relationships on the foundation of, of Jesus and his church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, as you think about just, you know, the fraternities, you led, how many have you led at this point? Well, it's tough to say because I've led multiple like locally. Um, but because men are so starving for friendship, they're starving for you know, good Catholic men to, to be around. I realized like, um, I, I had this opportunity to, to, to start ones remotely and let them kind of take it over. So I've started multiple from a, from a local standpoint and, and multiple from a, you know, national standpoint as well. Oh yeah. Th through the, the Catholic man show reach. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they'll reach out to me and be like, Hey, can we, can we join? It's like, well, we already have such a, you really want to keep that fraternity, you know, smaller mm-hmm. um, because it gives you the opportunity to really get to know these guys. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, to be able to kind of add, you know, have an avenue for them to be able to uh, develop a, a fraternity is important. Yeah, absolutely. What surprised you the most about leading a fraternity? Yeah. So what surprised me the most about leading a fraternity was there's a guy that was in our, uh, two, two years ago, there's a guy that we both know. He's one of my good friends. Um, and it was his first time to do Exodus. He and I worked together. We, we, we used to work together and, um, he is a man that I really looked up to. I looked up to the way he, his work ethic, the way he ran his household, you know, just like his love for Jesus. Like I looked up to the guy, like, like I wanted to be like him. And so I, I asked him, I said, Hey, I want you to join us for Exodus 90 this year. And he said, yes. Like he said yes to the invitation. He was a part of it. And he was my, my anchor. And the forge, like, like throughout that 90, our friendship grew so much and was solidified and forged through that to where it just, it changed. It changed our friendship. It changed the way, uh, you know, we saw each other. It, it changed the way we, we, we approached work together. It changed the way we would like push each other, you know, even just like the daily check-ins, like, you know, just this, this motivational, like, uh, you know, we're called to greatness. We're called to, you know, to die for our family. We're called, you know, to pick up our cross, like, let's do this together. Like the way in which our friendship was forged, I already thought I had a good friendship with him, mm-hmm. but it just changed the way we, we, you know, we moved forward. Like the day 91 was just different. Yeah. I love, I love that because it reminds me of, have you seen band of brothers? Uh, I have not. No. Oh bro. Okay. It's, it's something I, I, I know I, I need to, I'm not well, like, I'm not a movie guy very much. Like yeah. I don't have a TV in my house, so I don't, we don't watch TV a whole lot. Not a bad thing. You can read about it. I think there was a book called Band yeah, of Brothers. Yeah, I think so too. Based off of. But regardless of that, it just reminds, it just makes me think of whether, whether you've seen that or not, but just men in a unit mm-hmm. who train and do incredibly difficult things together. And, and then they go and experience something really challenging together. And, and they might be, and they're in a foxhole, right? Like mm-hmm. they're sitting in a foxhole together in, in some of the worst stuff you know, Mm -hmm. that you could possibly, possibly be in and go through in that when they come out of that foxhole, it changes them. Yep. And, and they're bonded, you know, for, for life Mm -hmm. oftentimes in that as well. And and I think sometimes it's true. It's possible in fraternity life as well in these fraternities that if I, as you said, lead with vulnerability, if I really Mm -hmm. open up and I share my struggles and the graces and the good things that the Lord is doing within me, Mm-hmm. And the other guys do that as well. It forges a bond that, um, unlike m- most things that I've been able to be a part of and see in my life. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and then you 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 put in the whole you know prayer aspect of of the Exodus, right? Um, which really is the the cement, like the whole purpose of of, of Exodus, right? It is to to deepen your prayer life with our Lord, right? To create mm-hmm. this freedom to be called to do what you're like our Lord is calling you to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And this fruit of prayer is always the love of Jesus, right? It's always to fall deeper in love with Jesus. And the fruit of falling deeper in love with Jesus is the desire to share that love with Jesus with other people, right? And so it gets to the point where like, listen, the reason why I have a debt that I can't pay 
to Exodus because it's an infinite debt, you know, a relationship with our Lord. The reason why I have that debt I can't pay is because some man said, yes, I will be the leader. Mm. And so, like, how do I not in return attempt to try and repay that by giving that to other people? I can't ever do it. I can't ever reach that repayment. But how do I not at least attempt and share this with other people? Mm. So, I think the men who are who are um, on the fence on on whether or not they should, you know, be you know be this leader, be this fraternity leader. You may not feel like that you're you're equipped, but 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 God doesn't call always the equipped. He equips the the people He calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, remember the guy who said yes for you, who said yes, I I, I will lead this fraternity and and the impact that it had for you. Um, most of the time, evangelization just looks like a simple yes. Yeah, that is so true. It's the uh, who has gone before us, who laid the foundation and who passed it on to us mm-hmm. that um, we can honor them by simply doing the same thing for others. Yep. And uh, that's the that's the model of discipleship. That's what's the Lord. That's what the Lord gave to us mm-hmm. uh, with the apostles and with the church and the, and the carrying on of the faith. Yep, absolutely. So, beautiful. Adam. Thanks so much for your time, for your wisdom, and for just sharing part of your journey with with the men who are listening to this. Yeah, it's a blast, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you bet. During each episode of The Burning Bush, we'll hear from a guest expert like Adam, and then we'll dive into a longer-form discussion with a panel of Exodus fraternity leaders from around the globe. Today, we're joined by Elliot Bedford from Westfield, Indiana. Andrew Goldstein from South Bend, Indiana, and Rob Dowsis from Jarrettsville, Maryland. One of the first things, as we really think about fraternities and exodus, and I think just in general leading men, there's always hesitancy from any of us. I know I've experienced in my life, and one of my uh, biggest hesitations is, is, oh, I just don't know enough, or gosh, I, I don't know how to lead a bunch of guys. Like, what if such and such happens or they bring up this or whatever. So I I guess with a little bit of that context in your own experience too, like why did you say yes to leading a fraternity? I wouldn't say that um, I said yes to leading a fraternity because I was not, uh, I was not keen on seeing Exodus like not happen, if that makes sense. So there was kind of this experience of like, um, I went through it, it stopped and I'm like, goodness like other guys have to go through this um and so i kind of felt like i was i was kind of thrust unwillingly into the role of leader fraternity and and try and guide other men through um i was very encouraged actually at the early point of leading a fraternity that you know exodus itself had kind of a a very brief manual on like this is this is what a fraternity is this is how you lead it this is how you make the space and so i very much saw myself as someone who like opened the door and held it open but not the one who like built the door not the one who built the frame just kind of be there hold the door open let other guys through um so that was uh my, my first experience leading a fraternity was just that just let's create the space see if other guys sign up and um and go from there yeah i love it yeah that was uh speaks to my experience a little bit i had gone through it in 2018 first just as a participant but then was like okay i want to help bring other guys through this experience but kind of did some reflecting and said if this was uh i approached this like the idea is my job is to teach them then yeah i would be scared because like okay that falls down on my competence and it's my you know expertise and wisdom 
and you're going to get variabilities. I'm sure there's guys out there that could do that, but uh, that's not really the goal. The goal is really more of like a facilitation, or this is somebody who's walked down that path before, and they can kind of give you the practical tips of like, hey, watch out for this bend in the road. And I think that you, when you move it away from that expert-centered model of or conceptualizing it into like, this is just somebody who's walked this path before, takes a lot of the burden off, I think. Um, but then also it gets you to, to focus on, no, we're doing this more from a like a fraternal dimension of, I just need good guys around me so that we can walk the path together. And then you can go deeper on the spiritual side of things because of that. And you've focused you've moved your mentality away from I'm focusing on like becoming a, you know, a knowledge expert into just like bonding. Um, and, and that's the, that's the goal to help drive us deeper in our faith journey. I think that that's kind of how it's shifted for me over time. And the only way to really get to that place is through experience. You just go through it, you experience it. And then you say, Oh, I want to walk that path again because man, I need it. And I need good guys around me to be able to do it. So I'm going to step up. And like uh, Andrew was saying, if, if if not me, then who? Like, you know, that's just how we have to do it. So it was more of a mental shift away from you know, that, that kind of addressed any type of fear or trepidation for my part. Yeah, Elliot, my experience is just like yours, right? Um, it, it wasn't a, a this desire to be the alpha and the teacher and to lead other guys what it was, was, and Andrew, I love the image you used of, you know, I opened the door and wanted to invite other guys in. And that turned into leading other guys. Cause when we all got in the room and sat down together, I was at the head of the table and it, it, it was kind of happened by accident, you know? Um, but I praise God for that. Cause I don't think I would have signed up for it otherwise. Uh, and my experience mirrors both of your own. It sounds like, yeah, you know, I did it the first time as a, a participant, and then the second year, I invited guys to do it with us. And so many people responded that we needed more fraternity leaders and not just the guy that did it the year before. And so that's that's how I got into it. I want to add, because I think Elliot said something really awesome and really important, was like, I think I recognized that I also needed to do Exodus again myself. Like, that was like a critical like discernment of just like, I actually recognized through the first one how deep the well of like brokenness and perfection was. Um and so for me, just going through and even holding that door open for other guys, I mean, it was almost entirely selfish. It was entirely like, I recognize there's still more to work on here. Um, and so a second dose of Exodus was was much needed. So um, to that Amen. point, like there needed to be somebody there. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. The, the one thing too that I think catches a lot of a lot of men in general off is, is back to what you said, Elliot, on the me needing to be the knowledge expert the subject matter expert versus just the, the, the guy who pulls them together, right. To pulls them together. And, you know, I've always loved this um, kind of concept of, you know, the following in the dust of a rabbi, if you've ever heard of that before, but it's, it's mm -hmm. this phrase from the Jewish times of, you know, if you wanted to learn how to be a rabbi, if you wanted to learn how to be a disciple, you just had to be, you know, right next to, right next to somebody and just, you know, which really just meant being half a step behind them, which mm -hmm. meant for me, if you flip that on the other side of like, if you're leading the fraternity, you just have to be a half a step ahead of the other guy. And not even really that sometimes, right. You could just be right next to each other walking in the same direction. And, and that is such a critical component to, you know, if, if this is a common goal, right. To journey together through Exodus, whether, whatever season it is, whether it's the 90 or whether it's something else, 
it's it's literally what's what's our shared common goal what's our end goal and then how do we how do we go towards that destination together so as you kind of experience you know leading it you know not leading a fraternity just experience a fraternity but then stepping into it um Elliot, you already shared a little bit about that but I, I think the other question i was thinking about is like what hesitations you know did you have jumping into it besides the fact of not having the knowledge but like okay uh, i'm going to lead this fraternity uh, what, what else comes up in the challenges that, you know, might be associated, whether mentally or even just, I think, practically some things that could get in the way from leading. I felt like a little bit of, a, of an imposter, to be honest with you, the, the second time through, because it, it, it's one thing to fall and you're gonna, right. You're gonna cut corners. You're gonna just fall flat in your face <laughs> with some of the disciplines. Um, it was one thing to do it by myself, but to do it and then have to bring that out to the group as a leader and say, guys, I blew it this week. And and here's how, um, and I'm asking for your prayers and your support, not just from my anchor, but from everybody. Uh, that was a humbling experience. And it was like a month in, this is a, this is a deep cut from the past year, but like a month into my second exodus, the first one as a leader, I remember in the lectionary, we we heard from, from Mark five, right. The, the demoniac, the, the swine. And I love this verse and it spoke to me in my holy hour that day. And I still remember this moment because I'm thinking, why did the Lord put me here? I'm three or four weeks into this leading this group. And I'm not like, I'm not the guy. I'm not him. Right. And then we hear this story in scripture on a Monday morning at mass. Like this is the least likely guy of like maybe ever, right. Possessed legions of demons, all this stuff. And then our Lord, heals him. And this was the gift of freedom, right? That maybe we all got from this first Exodus, not a permanent one, but this ongoing conversion. Um, <laughs> but then not only does he, he, he receive his gift, but then he, he wants to follow the Lord. And Jesus says, no, 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 stay here and tell everybody else what I've done for you. And like spread, spread the good news. And that was, that resonated with me. Okay. You know, the Lord, gave me this gift of freedom last year. And this is what he's calling me to now. And I am the least likely guy. I'm not the, not the most learned, not the most charismatic, but, but he has me here for a reason. And that, that image from Mark's gospel, I know, you know, stuck with me for sure. Um, so kind of that, kind of that idea of, uh, he equips the called, not call, um, calls the equipped. Calls right? the equipped. Yeah. 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 I feel like my experience of that was actually, I kind of flipped on its head. Like I, I wasn't super nervous going in as a leader. Like I, I, it, it didn't bother me so much to be in that leadership role. I'm like, listen, I've gone through it. Happy to guide. Like, this is going to be great. Like I organized, I'm ready. Um, I tend to be like a type A personality anyway. So like that kind of readiness scenario, I'm like, yes, we're here. Like, let's get to it. But, um, I actually feel like my, my second go through that the challenge as being a leader was actually like, um, like the pride piece. Like I kind of walked in with my expectation of what it was going to be and realized like it, that doesn't a for myself need to be what happened or for the other guys need to be what happened. Um, so my second go through, I felt a lot of, uh, a lot of kinship actually with Moses. Like here's this guy who's like a completely unlikely leader, you know, broken yet called. And like, here he is. And, and then to see the second time kind of walking through, like he didn't know where he's going. He's following a cloud. Like, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> He's following the Lord. He doesn't have a game plan. He's got a lot of people who are following him. And, and then, and then you actually see like the corruption of his pride through that. Um, you see those moments where he overreaches, you see those moments where he lays his own expectations out. Um, 
and and he paid dearly for that so to see like both the the kind of struggle of that as a leader and and like the the completely like humiliating and humbling piece of that of just like i can't overstep i can't overreach i gotta let my own stuff be my own stuff and mm. and i'm journeying with um i'd say that was like the challenge that i didn't expect leading the first time that um definitely revealed itself and definitely um it actually made me hungry for like another experience of that another time to say like i kind of failed at this let me go again mm. um but uh, it opened some some doors just for myself and my own kind of prayer journey too, which I think the Lord needed needed to happen too. So, yeah, for, for me the experience was uh, so I've done the full ninety with a group three times, and the first time it was a participant. The second time uh, I was not the formal leader, but was able to help contribute to like some of the uh, directions that we would go. Like we did an additional reading to the Exodus readings five minute Aquinas, we went through the virtues. Um, it was really good stuff, but I helped kind of lead the discussion in that. Um, and then with the, the third go around was me as kind of formal coordinator, if you will. And that's somewhere where I would be more nervous, just like on the practical and the logistics and communication side, just cause I'm like big picture guy. Great, but terrible at the, you know, my wife will tell me terrible at communications. So, um, making sure. And then I guess another component of it is like, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be able to have like get guys a good experience and that kind of growth and journeying with the Lord through the 90 days. Um, but then I always had this vision for afterwards, right? Of like, how do you build that fraternity that then maintains because like that second group that I was going with, uh, we're still meeting. We've added the wives in now and it's kind of a family, um, uh, meeting but like you the that kind of shaped my expectations of like how do you continue uh the uh, the you know the goodness from all of this and do i have to have that as a leader going in so maybe my view on it is all slanted because i've got this like longer term vision for what exodus can be um uh, but i wouldn't say that that has to necessarily be every person's vision going into this uh, to be a leader certainly that just happened to be how it came about to me but it was all born of the idea of like i really like these guys and i want to hang out with them afterwards and i want to continue our faith journey afterwards so it wasn't never more like i just this is my secret plan to build friendships or you know like to collect friends it was more about like these are really good dudes who call me to be more um and i want to help spread that because what happened is our second group basically divided and then we up and went and recruited new guys to those so it's kind of that like just a you know you know win build send model um from focus there nick uh to um to to push out and and it's really worked but again i wouldn't if i was just starting this again i would say don't put that expectation on your shoulders, like, but know that it is a fruit that the Holy Spirit might be able to to give to you. Yeah, I I, mean, I love that kind of that call out of the the vision of that because I I think it, even in reality for my own uh, experiences is I've I've been through the I've been through the ninety uh, fully one time and and then the rest of the year um, every exercise since then and I. I I did St. Michael's Lent, you know, a while back as well. And I've only ever been a leader uh, within it. I've never been a participant being led by somebody else through it. So as I've like, one of the struggles that I've personally had within it is like, um, one, 
I love that you call that Elliot, just the communication <laughs> challenges. And I don't know that I'm always a big picture guy. I'm not always great at the details, but I'm really good in the moment, like just walking with the men. Like I just, I just love that aspect of it. So one thing I'm really thinking about is the complementarity of like, as you build, like the, the challenge of, and the mindset of like, I've got to be, I've got to have it all together. I've got to be able to be really good at all this by myself versus as you invite guys in, how do I think about, um, find, you know, figuring out what their gifts are and how they can contribute to that, even, even meeting to meeting week over week. So I'd love to hear from you guys, you know, have you experienced that, um, kind of piece of it over time? I know Elliot, you, you mentioned it already a little bit, but what do you do with that then too? Once you recognize that kind of those gaps within your own, um, just abilities to kind of fill those, to create, um, to help to tap into those other men's and also, uh, just build up other leaders, other men from that as well. I would say that there's wisdom in why the Lord sent uh, people out two by two, right? That that strengthening of uh, uh, his his message through the complementarity of people. And I think that that's really um, it. It depends on like how you approach it. If I said so, second go around for me was like, hey, rather than just be a assortment of guys that kind of get cobbled together, let's go out and recruit guys who you want to be in your fraternity so you know them already on some level right and so you know their gifts their uh their strengths and all that kind of stuff but it's really about like this is going to be a way to you know uh, grow closer through this experience that was allowed for that like hey i know that this guy is really knowledgeable in a certain area and i want him to help you know kind of inform us we had a ex-seminarian who was just fantastic on prayer for instance, like you got to just download that for us. Right. So it's fantastic. Um, and if you don't know that going in, sure, you're not going to be able to plan that, but the idea of if, is that, what, what do you want out of the experience? Do you want it to be completely new set of guys? I don't have any idea with, and I just want to, uh, you know, meet them and grow closer. Or is it, I've got people that I know and I want to, um, you know, uh, advance ourselves or is it a mix really you know god gives you the opportunity to be able to approach this as a uh spiritual growth exercise in a lot of different ways and i think that if you're considering being a leader okay what is it that i want to get out of it um and that would maybe help you determine your strategy um but i think at the fundamental level of being able to have clarity about what it is that you're looking for that's probably the, the place that I would start. Like, what is it that you're looking for? Um, and, and then you can go from there. I would say like skill wise, I, I always found that the Lord kind of put exactly who I needed as, as people who were ready and, and willing to help. Um, I, I did Exodus four times kind of straight through the nineties. Um, St. Michael's Lent once. And then I coordinated like 10 other fraternities, just more as a, like a, let's piece the guys together and send them off and go. Um, and I, I definitely reached a point where I recognized, like, I can't, I, I can't do that myself. Um, that's not tenable. It's, it's not something that, that the Lord was asking me to do. Um, but more that, like, my role is to be the inviter. My role is to kind of be really honest with men that, like, um, I, I was broken. I still feel broken, but the Lord made a path and, like, Exodus created the space for that. Um, and, and I think that that was really, like, um, 
a very key like differentiator for me of like my role as a leader is more to be an inviter. My role is really to be somebody who um, who holds the door, who understands that like it's it's not me who's calling men to Exodus. It's the Lord who's placed something in their hearts, in the hearts of men. Um, my job is simply to recognize that in them. And if they answer the call, great. And if they don't, like great. The Lord's not ready to do that in them yet. Um, and so like I as far as like going from like that kind of inviter role into more like uh, um, ensuring that there's still leaders, there's still somebody there. Um, I saw that, that much the same. It was like, I recognize Lord, this is way too much for me to handle. And like, my role was to actually just invite other men to be leaders and to step in. And if the Lord placed that call on their hearts, great. And if not, then like, I guess there's another 90 in store for me this, this, this coming season or, you know, who knows, maybe the Lord meets me too. But um, <laughs> I, I was really blessed actually, especially before I, I transitioned, this was all um, within Washington state. I, I recently moved. Um, but before my transition, especially there was a couple guys who were just ripe and ready and stepped into a really strong leadership role. Um, they had led through one fraternity. They were hungry. They were ready. They were the ones who were saying like, great, this one finished. Are we starting another one next week? Like I'm ready. Let's do it for me, a new group of guys. Um, so that really started like a, a sense of a leadership pipeline, a sense that there's not just me inviting and other guys leading, but a sense that like there are multiple leaders out inviting, out leading fraternities, maintaining their own and growing others, you know, making sure that door is held open. So um, it's really a, a blessing to see that kind of um, happen, both like uh, within those guys' hearts, but actually, actually like within the heart of a parish to let that be embraced by a parish culture too. Um, that can expand out and uh, bring other guys into the fold of of Exodus. So it's really beautiful. Yeah, Andrew, I love that. I love that idea. And I think it's important to create a, a pipeline of future leaders and it, it, not even thinking a year ahead, but just right now, like to tap a man on the shoulder and to challenge him, say, hey, next week, I'd like you to run the meeting or leave this discussion. I think that that's an easy way to identify and kind of let men test their mettle within the group and say, yeah, I am prepared to lead a conversation about one of the guideposts this week. And um, I know that that's something that we've done in, in all the fraternities in which I've been involved and in. it's been fruitful. Um, and I think it's up to us as leaders, even first time leaders, or maybe especially first time leaders to, to start with, you know, vulnerability, with candor, with honesty, um, because I think that models the sort of leaders we want to call these other guys to be. Like we don't have it all together. We don't know all the stuff. Um, but if the Lord puts in your heart to be here, then that's enough. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like the fraternities that have grown out of that initial one in our men's group, that was the, that was the secret sauce. That first time was, was vulnerability, candor, honesty, um, allowing the asceticism, the prayer, the fraternity to break down the barriers that we so often put up between men. We want to kind of hold stuff back and put up that facade. Like we're, you know, <laughs> Check out me, I'm Mr. Keck. I got all the little kids lined up and everything. We're all so pious. Everything's perfect. And um, to break through some of that and and be really honest was um, that was the thing. I think that allowed other men to see themselves as potential leaders in the future uh, and knowing they didn't need to have it all figured out in order to take that step. I love what you said about like creating the opportunity. Like 
that's that's like so important. Like they, I, I, a pastor once said, like if if nobody sees a need, then there's no need for them to step up, right? And so, like actually, like being absent for a meeting is is actually an opportunity for another guy to flex his leadership things. Um, like the fact that Exodus grew during COVID in our parish, I think, is no coincidence in that you know there were leaders or people who might not have been available. Um, it created a, a space, a window for somebody else to flex and for somebody else to lead and to, to see that call within themselves. So um, I love what you said there. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with the point, Rob, about um, leadership, not in a necessarily a formal sense, but a, a modeled or example sense of, look, you can really set the tone right away by that authentic vulnerability and what you struggle with and where, you know, what you're worried about. Um, this is this, the things that I want to get out of this. You do that and all of the walls come down because guys are hungry for that, quite frankly. Um, and it builds up that trust. And then that's where, yeah, all the, all the good stuff comes from is that level of, uh, you know, uh, seeking. It's really just seeking for, for, for uh, improvement. So I would agree with like, not just formal leadership, but just being a model of of what you you know. What does Paul say? Uh, be followers of me as as I am of Christ. You know, like example, do as I do because I'm trying to live like Jesus. Um, it's it's the same idea there that I've seen it work wonders too. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I was actually as you were talking about all of that, I was uh, just thinking about St. Paul as well, right? Where he talks about his weakness. He talks about the thorn in his flesh, the things that he does that he does not want to do. And he's sharing that. And I, I imagine that he shared specific things with with his disciples, with the community of believers, because it's not about it's that like those are used to humble him and to rely more on Christ. And if we never talk about those things, about our own personal experience, why would anybody else, you know, in our fraternity? So, yeah, I always think about like, you know, we, we need to model the behavior that we wish other, to, to see in others. And that behavior hopefully has been modeled for us. And, and if not, we're, we're learning it with the guys right around us, you know, that we're surrounded with. Because, again, our, our end goal is I want to be a better man. I want to be closer to Christ and I want to be a better husband, father, friend, you know, whatever your why is fit, lean in onto that. Why? And then, you know, focus on the Lord and use your brothers around you uh, to help you accomplish that at the same time. So I couldn't help but be reminded of that. Awesome. Okay. So we've talked, we, we've talked a lot, a lot about, you know, some of our challenges and why we said yes. And um, you know, what, wh what's it like and how to, you know, rely on some other guys. What I want to know now is like, what's been some of the fruit? Like, how have you grown from leading a fraternity? Like, what have you seen within yourself over time, whether that's, you know, one time or seven times that you've led a fraternity? I'll just say, um, I, I heard from someone in the um, mental health and addiction uh, health uh, services that uh, on average, addicts need to go to uh, rehab seven times before they kick the habit. And I'm like, well, I'm on Exodus number three. So I got a long way to go on my uh, various crutches that have, uh, you know, that, that, uh, but what happens is when you are, you go through Exodus, you understand, okay, these are all the crutches that I really have a difficult time removing. And, uh, and, and I want God to come in and fill that space instead. Um, you, you, when you're not in it, you long for it. 
right? You're like, I know where I've been and I want to go back and I want, I want that kind of same experience uh, with, with the guys that have gone through it. And then when you lead it, it's even more, I would say it kind of amps up because you're like being watched and, and, and now that level of expectation is a little bit higher, but at the same time, like you feel the good from, Hey, I'm helping bring guys closer to Christ, helping them, you know, get better uh, in relationship with their wives and their kids. And it's not me in myself, but it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm part of that journey. And I think that the thing that it, it really uh, does is it, it exposes you to, to a new reality, a new pot set of possibilities that you're like, Oh, I could be so much more. Um, and he's, he's laying out the possibilities there. And I got to, um, whether it's for leading my family towards that, whether it's leading other men towards that, I need to step up and I know how good it is, but then, so maybe it is this, like this trade-off because like, then you feel you get even more down on yourself because you're like, Oh man, I was here at one point. I was way up there and yeah. now I'm over here just like struggling to snack. Are you kidding me? What's going on with this? Or, um, or Whatever the case may be, so I think that, um, but that in and of itself, having that exposure to that kind of uh, uh, the possibilities that God's calling you towards, is something that makes you makes me want to continue to do it. Not just like as a call it episodic, where it's like okay, we do the ninety days and then you move on. And I know Exodus is focused on the, the day ninety one and that all of the year worth of content and all that kind of stuff. But there's this kind of motivation where you say like, I want this to be a way of life, not just like a, a program. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's uh, one of the virtues that we've got with this, with Exodus is like, it's introducing you into a way of life that maybe you're not there yet, but you all of a sudden see it as a possibility. Um, and so now I have to lead others there because it's fantastic. Hmm. I think I'll say as a leader, Nick, probably the, the greatest blessing that's flowed from that has been uh, like the, the first time I did Exodus as a, a guy, like a guy in the pew, whatever. Um, I think it was natural and probably even good and healthy and of God to, there was an element of, of navel gazing there. Like I was mostly interested in my own like metanoia, right? My turning away from sin and from these addictions and problems and towards him, towards our father in heaven. Since that time and stepping into leadership roles in different capacities and other fraternities, I think it's broadened my perspective um, on what God can do and how he's working in so many other guys' lives because it forced me out of this, my own like cold showers and holy hours bubble and into other guys, you know, because when you're a leader, you get invited into other conversations. I don't care. It might be to settle a dispute about whether jelly is a dessert, or it might be about something that's like more deep and theological, but there's I think you get pulled into some of these other conversations and relationships and you're walking alongside men in a closer way, like in that, you know, the dust of the rabbi to use that, that, that phrase you brought out earlier. And I, um, and I don't think any of us would think of ourselves as, as rabbis, but there's a, but you know, there's a, a bit of, you, you walk more closely with other guys in your group. At least I did as a leader more so than when I was just, a you know, in the fraternity. And that's probably been the greatest blessing of that. Then the friendships I can see that, you know, the mm -hmm. seeds for which were planted five years ago, and now they're really blossoming where we had, you know, five families over for supper last night and a big giant house full of kids. And all those guys are Exodus men from different frats, but it, they came together over time. And those seeds were planted, I think, in, in that leadership role, little by little. So I think that's where I see God working in the background 
uh, maybe to take me out of my own head and and to raise my gaze to the men around me uh, in the group a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, as before, Andrew, you go, I, I always just think about like, what's the call of Christ in the gospels that he models for us? It's always come right first, come to me. And we're usually seek, you know, some of us are actively seeking that. And some of us don't know that we're actually looking for it, but he, he's there anyways, or he shows up and then, and then he heals us or he, he desires to heal us if we're, if we, if we want that. And if we're yeah. seeking that, and then what does he always say? You know, go, <laughs> uh, go and share it with others or don't share it with others yet. But you know, that's, I think more rare thing, you know, in, in the gospels, but then he says, go and share that. So it's that, you know, it's, it is that initial looking, right. That that's what sin always tends to make us do is to look in inwardly and internally. And the Lord wants to come in and to heal that, to cleanse us and then to lift our head first to look at him. And then to look through, like to see with his eyes, to look outward into the pews, into the parish, into my, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, and beyond that, in my friends and my family that already exists. So I think that's a beautiful um, example that you, that you already give that. Andrew, sorry, go ahead. Well, I think it's really beautiful. Like, I think the, I've been thinking about the image of like, you know, the mountaintop experiences with the Exodus summit, like fresh on my head. I'm like, let's go up the mountain. And like, really like that first Exodus, that, that very personal one, the one you focus on you, the one that like you're being led through, it's that mountaintop experience. It's that kind of space that we, we need, we crave to kind of look around and say like, okay, there's, there's something here. Um, like, look at this beauty, look at this grandeur, like, um, I think that the danger is that you, you, you can think of chasing a mountaintop experience. So like my, my going into Exodus a second time or my desire to lead Exodus a second time, that was very much my expectation was like, great. I had this incredible encounter. I cracked open the saints. I cracked open scripture. Like, look at all my brokenness. It's shedding. And like, I want to go back up, Lord, let's go. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I got like 50 days in and I'm like, I'm still in the valley. What's going on? Like, I'm supposed to be elevating at this point. Like, this is where I elevated last time, you know? Um, and so I, I think that second and and honestly, third and fourth exoduses really helped me understand that, like, what exodus is, is not necessarily the mountaintop so much as it is the valley. It's that understanding how to rightly order mm. all of those things so that, like, you know, Jesus doesn't want to, like, Jesus doesn't want to encounter you only on the mountain. Sometimes he needs to bring you up there to be like, listen, shake out of this. You got something you got to work on. Let's take this time. But like what Jesus like really desires is to be with you in those Valley moments, to be like so present to, to understand, like, this isn't so much like let's shed the big sin. And that's really important. This is like, let's avoid the near occasion. Let's, let's be in relationship. Let's keep these daily moments together. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I love, I love being in that role of being like, let's go up the mountain so that you can understand that this flows somewhere. Like these habits, these things that we do, um, you know, the disciplines are incredible. The, the reflections are incredible. This all flows somewhere though. After 90 days, you want to understand that like this is so that the Lord can encounter and walk with you through your day-to-day life when you're in the valley so that you can look back at the mountain and be like, that was beautiful. And I still see how that flows through my daily life. I still see the streams flowing. Um, so like that's that's been kind of my experience now is just like I love looking back at the mountain and be like that was really really beautiful and I want other guys to go up so they can understand where this all goes from here. Yeah, amen to that. Okay, man, that's 
so good so beautiful of that now now let's flip that on the other side because anyway we've touched on this a little bit you know we just talked about the graces that you've experienced looking back and leading other guys but wh what are some of the practical challenges and again like i know we've touched on it a little bit elliot mentioned just like uh you know communication you know you're big more big big picture guy but what are some of the practical challenges or maybe downside downsides of leading a fraternity that that you faced during the night you could think specifically during the 90 days you know whether that was your first time or your fifth time leading and, and everywhere in between so nick i think one of the the toughest things for me as a fraternity leader had been there been years where you know, you start out with this many guys and a couple don't, don't make it, you know? And I felt a lot of guilt about that. Like, man, what did I do wrong? You know, mm -hmm. how did I fail them as a leader, as a brother, as an anchor in some cases, like I, I messed up. Um, and sometimes that was true. And other times, uh, you know, I think it also um, helped me to see with God's eyes that, and Andrew, you talked about this earlier, like, What's the Lord doing in this man's life? And it may be that I invited or pushed him or challenged him to do this before the time was right. And I think I've learned some lessons there about, you know, being <laughs> having some of the Lord's patience, uh, at least a little bit of it and say, you know, it, and maybe not to bring that that guilt or that um, frustration back to me and say, maybe it wasn't me, but that's, I would say that's probably the, the darker spots that I've had as a fraternity leader have been around guys that struggle and fall and don't get back up again. And that's a, um, those are tough things to kind of lose a brother along the way. But have you guys had experiences like that? I would, I would say I very much had experiences like that. Um, and it, it's so hard. Cause it's like, you could see, you're like, man, this could be so good. If, um, and sometimes that's the brother. Sometimes it's like not only the brother, but like the context the brother's in. So like um, to see when a brother's in a household where the wife like doesn't support what's happening or, or just like wants nothing to do with it. Um, that's so hard because you're like, man, you're, you're, you're pushing, you're trying and like your wife's watching the game and it's so tempting for you. You've got this extra layer of things that the rest of us maybe don't have yeah. as, a, as a factor. Um and so, I mean, in some ways your heart breaks in other ways, it's, it's a call to arms. It's a call to fraternity. It's a call to, to, um, to be present in whatever way the Lord needs to be. Um, I, I would say that the, like the other core challenge that I saw just to elaborate on what you said is actually like creating the space early on to admit failure or to admit like brokenness. Um, I, I remember like that first, like that first session, like, okay, you got your like first week, all the guys are together, you're getting to know each other. Um, and I always felt the need and sometimes it felt like an overreach and sometimes it felt really right. But I always felt the need to be like, let's say all the buzzwords, like, let's say all the keywords, let's get it all on the table. Like, Hey guys, like, we're going to say the P word, it's called pornography. Like we're, we're going to say this, like, it's, it's, it's going to sound uncomfortable, but like, okay. And just to create that space of like, this has been said in the room once, um, is, is so important and to actually like not only just say it but to be like okay this is this is where i'm at in this journey like and that creates such a different experience especially a if the guys really know each other and maybe don't know that depth of each other or b if the guys are coupled together which happens especially if you're running exodus in a parish um this could very well be like generational differences world differences perspective differences so creating the space to recognize like we're all human and like this, this humanness and sinfulness is actually not only like something we need to talk about, but it is something that unites us. We're all on this journey in this, in, in similar ways, maybe not with the same things. 
Um, but B, that we need to make the space to talk about that because we have a, um, especially in the West, like we have a very like private sense of um, manhood, like what it should be, what it needs to be. And, and we don't talk about this stuff. So cracking open the conversation, I think is a huge challenge, um, but it's also a huge benefit when it can be done like tactfully and, and well. And, and not just a private sense of manhood, but we have this private sense, and I think an impoverished sense of the harm that sin does, right? That when we think that the sin, like that sin that we commit, yeah, it's our sin, but it has ripple effects for our families, for our world, for our fraternity. And so again, leading with, and I love, he's like, yeah, let's bring out all the words or like first week, you know, we're going to say all the hard things people don't want to talk about, um, to model, right, that this is a this is a place where you can have and in fact must have these conversations to pull this stuff out by the root. Encourage guys to be patient with themselves, but ruthless with their sin. Like don't don't mess around with this stuff. And um, I think to broaden our perspective, like to understand that sin is real and it's damaging, and and by God's grace, you can <laughs> He's got a plan for you and He'll give you everything you need to get past it. But gosh, you, you have to understand the harm that that it's doing. And I feel like the times where I've faltered as a, a leader, it probably has been where I've um, failed to bring guys along and, and help them uh, understand understand that and kind of walk alongside them uh, in that same way. I, I think like the important thing then is also to like to tie that to the sacramental reality. It's like, yes, yeah. it's so good to talk about this stuff. Like let's clear the room. Let's get it all out there. Let's recognize we're broken in these ways or, or whatever. And like the recognition is, is that step then that points you like, okay, here's the sacrament. Here's confession. Here's making sure you're going to mass. Here's making sure you're, you're remaining in the sacramental grace. Right. And how, and how cool was it? Like, I don't know if you guys have had a chance, but like to, you know, if, if maybe you're, maybe you have a spiritual director who is a priest and you could say, Hey, can you come to our meeting this morning? And we're all going to go to confession together, like, mm -hmm. not public, you know, but like, you know, <laughs> uh, one, <laughs> on, you know, one by one. Um, but the graces that we, we've been able to do that a couple times and the graces that have flown from flown, pardon me, from, uh, from that experience are just, I can't even <laughs> every which way. Yeah. There's a fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I uh, very much agree with that point, uh, or both points that you guys are making. I think that what was kind of stand out on my heart was the idea that if I go in as a leader with the mentality that like it's my responsibility to make sure that these guys have a great experience, like a kind of like a customer service thing, that's the wrong mentality, right? Like, because yeah. what you're doing, and I like Andrew's vision of, of holding the door open. Um, it's really letting God work on these guys, right? Everybody's putting themselves into this disposition of saying, Lord, I'm going to open myself up and you do the work, right? And and so that you can't say, oh, well, it's I, I really uh, am taking my responsibility because this guy's having a rough go with his wife and they're misaligned expectations about how this is supposed to happen. That's things where like I could see Satan kind of like all of a sudden distracting you and away from your role here is like, no, first and foremost, when you go into Exodus, it is so you're allowing God to work on you as a leader, as a leader of men. Okay. But if you're over there saying, no, I got to get, you know, like net promoter scores of uh, really high net promoter scores, then um, that's the wrong mentality. And you're focused on like you as a means versus the end goal of letting God be God. Um, I've wrestled with that myself just because when you have an awesome experience, you want other guys to have an awesome experience. 
But if you think you're the vehicle for that or the, the, the sole reason for that, that's, you know, sorry, that's delusion. So that's the piece where just get like setting expectations is so important. I love that. And I, I would like double down and saying like, yes, we've, if you've had like a great experience of Exodus, yeah, you do want to share that. But like, that doesn't mean your role as a leader is to be an Exodus 90 brand ambassador from here forward until all ages, right? Like that's, so, that's, Nick's, like the, that's Nick's job. That's Nick's job. Exactly. <laughs> but, but like the, the truth is, is like, there will be guys and, and I've had a couple experiences of this that, that do not have a good experience. And that's not because of Exodus. That's not because of scripture. That's not because you did something wrong as a leader. It's because the Lord, like when you're doing important work, the Lord's going to tug on hard things. Right. And so like, sometimes the reaction is anger. Sometimes the reaction is closing off. And there's a point in that journey, maybe not in the 90 days, but further down the road where they're going to look back and have that like, ah, oh, I encountered this once already. Like there's this thing inside me that needs to be resolved. And, and they're going to create the space at some point to resolve that. And, and we can pray and hope for that. But I would say like, as a fraternity leader, like to remember that when, when you're working on hard things or like when the Lord is working at hard things in the hearts of men, like there is a point where like, yeah, sometimes those hearts are, are clay and it can be molded. And there is a point where sometimes it's hard and, and, and they can't, I mean, it's, it's the Pharaoh thing, right? Like there are men who might harden their hearts at points. Um, and to remember, it's not your job, it's the Lord's to unharden that. I don't think we could emphasize that enough, honestly, in, in this in this work and in this call. It's, it's the Lord's work on me, first and foremost. And then what is he asking me to do? And I think that's a key for, for leadership is, is, well, when I say leadership, it's like just stepping into pulling guys together, right? Being a facilitator, being a, a leader in that sense of, Lord, what are you asking me to do? How can I pray for these men and journey with these guys? Because they're going to help me just as much as I am, you know, going to help them. And none of that's going to be accomplished without you. So always having the primacy of, of knowing who's God and who's not. And that's not me. Never will never be me. And uh, that's it's just such a stark reminder of that. But then, that, then I'll, I think on the other side too, it's like, okay, I've always loved this. Um, I think it's been attributed to St. Augustine. I'm sure many people said it, but the pray as if everything depends on God. So everything that we're doing within this work, it, it's all dependent upon him. But then we know that God calls us into participation. So the other half of that is work as if everything depends on you. See so the idea of, of this is all the Lord's. I'm going to step into this because he's asking me to do this. Even though I don't think I have the gifts, I don't think I have the ability. I don't think I can do it. But he's going to ask me to, if he's asked me to do it, I, I should have the courage to say yes. And then, and then pour myself into it. And that, that's going to look different for different guys in different states of life um, that you guys won't know. But, you know, then, then that, um, that work within them is to, um, you know, do whatever I can to accompany them. And so as you, you called out, Andrew, it's like a guy's not showing up and it's, that's probably not my fault. Great. Recognize that. It's not, it's not about me. It's about the Lord. And it's about that guy. And, you know, maybe I just need to check in on him. I'm going to go check in on him, you know, do a little bit of the work. And if he still shuts you down or doesn't show up, like that's okay. But I'm going to, I'm going to put in a little bit of effort if that's where I feel the Lord's calling me to, because he's a brother and I love him. Even though you, you know, sometimes you're like, well, I don't know him that well. Cause I didn't know him for the pew and he just showed up and said, yes, he wanted to do it. But still he's, he's a son of God 
And um, how, what Lord, what do you want me to do with that? So um, I, I think that one other call out I, I, I was hearing from you guys is there's this challenge of pride that, right, can, you can lean in, you could lean into of like, as a leader of like, you know, this is about me. Um, but then, then the, the, really the flip side is just total hands off of like, you know, yeah, you know, whatever happens, happens. So it's, it's that balance there uh, between which is, you know, classically what virtue is and where the virtue is. It's in, it's in the, it's in the middle. It's that balance between the kind of the two extremes. So, um, okay. Last question. And then, and then, we'll, and then we'll transition into, uh, I've got a few listener questions that uh, would love your guys' answers on as well. So the last question for you guys um, is, what advice would you give to a guy who's considering listening or leading for the first time? A guy who might be listening to this and saying, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I should lead. You know, what advice would you give to him? Do it. Just kidding. <laughs> Just do it. Every, honestly, it, it's, uh, it's such a good uh, experience uh, to grow and challenge yourself. So in all seriousness, I mean, like if you've even got the prompting of, should I do this? Yeah. You don't need to do it alone. I think that's the other thing. Like I would absolutely recommend you go into this and say, Hey, let me get a buddy to that's going to lead it. Right. So it's never, it never something that's all on your shoulders, but uh, I, I just say step up guys. I mean, that's what we're called to as men is to, to be those leaders, whether you're, it's a formal or informal uh, leader. I think this is an opportunity that's kind of like you just said, since God's doing the work, you really, you got a lot of coverage. He's, he's really uh, <laughs> got your back. So just step up and you'll be surprised with what he can do in your life. And, and don't think you have to do it alone. Yeah. And if the three of us can do it, I mean, I'm certain that you can manage, right? It's you're right. Ellie. I mean, if God's got your back with this thing, uh, if you're even feeling a little bit of an inkling that you should do it, then the answer is yes, you, you should do it. Um, absolutely. To just expand on that. No, one's going to give you permission except maybe your wife. And if you're married, ask your wife. But, um, I mean, the permission is like, it's, it's something that like, I think we all kind of wait around for. I think, I think we wait to be like confirmed in things like this. And to Elliot's point, if it's on your heart, it's already, it's already lingering there. The, the, it's kind of like the God gap where it's like, you know, God takes you 90% of the way and it requires that 10% of you to get there. Um, so if it's in your heart, take the God gap and go for it. And the only qualification I'd put on all that is like, if you think that this is a program where you could get other guys to kind of like go along with your mentality or your spirituality or your set of practices, or like you are going to like mold other people into do what you want. That is a, you got to do some of your own work first. Um, because this is about helping guys flourish as God's calling them. Um, and so like my spiritual practices or my set of kind of expectations about how to lead a family is really, you know, reserved to me and you need to help meet other guys where they're at. Uh, so if you're viewing it as a, as a kind of like, a, I don't know, a training thing to kind of expound your own gospel, that's something that you need to be self-aware of enough to be able to say, no, that's not actually what I'm trying to do. But my experience is overwhelmingly that is not the case, but, uh, but just, I know that that's potentially out there. You know, narcissism is not something that we need <laughs> in, in leadership here. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Amen. Um, well, 
Thanks. Thanks, guys, for that. Uh, all right. We're going to move into a, a little listener question and answer session. I've got a couple questions that a couple of guys have submitted, and they it wouldn't just be singular guys because the, these questions get asked a lot uh, from guys that come to our support team or even when we're just talking to men out in the field or when we're traveling at conferences that we we, we hear a lot. So I'm going to I'm going to ask a question and then, uh, you know, anybody wants to jump in, please jump in and and uh, help this brother out. All right. So the first one, Adam from Sacramento writes, I led a fraternity last year, but most of the guys quit halfway through. How would you recommend I lead differently this year? so I can keep my brothers engaged during the whole 90. Okay, so great question. But uh, we, we talked a little bit about that. But uh, but I think one of the things that you, maybe you could speak into besides keeping, how do I keep my guys you know, there the whole time is engagement. So in terms of that, maybe that week to week fraternity or like how do, how do we engage the men that we're walking alongside? Uh, first, Adam, heartbreak. Um, I'm praying for your men. It's always hard when you lose people along the way. So um to kind of echo what happened earlier in this call like not a personal failing but there's definitely it happens to to all of us along the way at some point um i would say like expectation setting from the like onset is like number one thing um before launching any fraternity that i either led or coordinated we had like a an info session so we'd like gather guys for coffee after mass on Sunday morning. And we just say like, this is what this is. It's, it's intense. It requires everything. Like it requires a full commitment. Um, so like knowing that upfront really helps knowing like the, you know, the meeting time super helps. It helps keep things kind of rightly ordered within family life too. Um, so, you know, just sort of the kind of like the administrative, like rolling out the carpet a little bit and be like, this is it. You either take it or leave it. You can't convince somebody to, um, but you can present it for fully what it is. I would say, and I agree with Andrew's point about like, that sucks to have that experience, but at the same time, you don't know where those guys were at. And again, I would chuck it up to, um, you know, God's working in their lives in, in a way that, you know, you, you pray for them and move on. I would say though, some things that I have seen kind of add to the dynamics of, in addition to setting expectations, the, the like being out of the church basement and, seeing guys in a social setting that is like you see them more fully as human beings that just kind of builds something that it's it's this it's a stickier and more appealing kind of uh, group than where you're just like so like we meet at panera bread uh generally speaking right and that happened uh when, during covid we were meeting at, at bonfires at, at one of the guys houses and so and then you have these opportunities to relate to people beyond just the, Hey, here's how I failed this week. Um, right. <laughs> like that, you see the, 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 the full humanness of the guys. I think that really adds to the attractiveness and the, the stickiness, um, of the, the whole experience. So I would say something that we would like to be able to, um, I guess think beyond just the kind of like constraints of the program or what the program's offering and think of like, what do guys like to do? What's, what's, uh, where do they like to be? Um, and it can be over, you know, uh, for instance, like a, a, a coffee, or if you're out of Exodus 90 and you're doing another one where you can drink beer or alcohol or whatever, obviously those things, in my experience, it's like fire, food, and alcohol are usually pretty good ways to bond guys. Guns would be another one in there. Um, but yeah. Now, Elliot, I, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. And we've certainly found success in uh, getting people out of the, the church basement, right? Uh, around, around a campfire, especially. And I forget where I read it, but there's something I think deeply, like the way God made us, right? That men connect better um, side by side, but around something. I don't care if it's you're going fishing or standing looking at a fire or doing something else, um, as opposed to just around a table. Uh, it it changes the dynamic, and I think it opens things up um, in a different way. But also, you know, don't don't beat yourself up after you know losing guys in the fraternity over the course of a year. I don't think that there's been one time where I have had every single person come through all ninety days. I think it's super important um, to pair these guys up again when someone drops out. Like, make sure you assign a new anchor as soon as you can, or step in yourself um, to, to be that guy. Um, and I would also say like, encourage the guys that are left behind. Let's say you start out with seven and a guy drops out a month in, like make sure that they're still praying. You are, and your whole fraternity is praying for this guy every day and offering some of those fasts and sacrifices and ascetical practices for him, because Mm -hmm. he's probably up against something and whether it's stuff in the home or with his job or just he's not there yet in his journey with the Lord. You know, he he is a son uh, and our brother in Christ and he needs our prayers just as much as, as a Exodus man today, who's all the way in and committed and doing all this stuff and maybe even more. So, uh, you know, don't, don't lose sight of your kind of fallen comrades here along the way, you know, leave no man behind in your prayer, I guess is my message. So. Yeah. Love that. Great answers guys. Appreciate that. And hope that's helpful to you, Adam. All right. uh, Another one from Eric in Connecticut. He says, this will be my first time leading an Exodus fraternity and my first time doing Exodus 90 as well. Is it better to come across as an expert since I'm the leader or is it better to be honest that I'm learning about this along with the guys in my group? Honest. (laughs) Own it. I think think if if you do that first one, you're gonna get torn apart. Which rightfully yeah. so, if you put your hold yourself out there as expert holier than now, and I'm not saying that's what he's where he's coming from, but like, right, just be honest, authentic. That's what people want. That's what you know. The Lord's asking from you, quite frankly, is to be you know who you are, so that He can heal you and 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 uh, call you closer to Him. Yeah, but kudos on stepping out. You know, I'm going to go out and lead this, and I'm going to. Uh, I hope I pray for that experience. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. And and uh, so so often, t- guys, I, I hear from men who, um, you know, they say, "Well, I heard about Exodus, and then I, fa- I, f- I saw that I I needed to get a fraternity, right?" So they they may have heard about Exodus from somebody, or maybe they heard it on a podcast or something, and they're like, "Man, that's exactly what they need." They go and see it, and they find out, and they're like, "Oh crap, I gotta get I gotta get some guys to do this with me." So then they go and find guys and that's the situation. And I'm always so, uh, I'm encouraged by that. And I, sometimes I feel challenged by that in a really good way because there's a man who's desires, you know, a change in his life so much that he's like, I- I'm going to go jump over that, that hurdle to go find guys to do this, this thing with me. So, um, for, for all the guys who are thinking about that, do it. No, you can do it. And that's been done and that's been done and continues to be done. So we just want to encourage you in that fact. All right. Last question I've got. This is from Tim in Wisconsin. He says, I have tried to get small men's groups started at my parish multiple times. What makes this different from other programs that have promised me the world? 
I don't know if anybody's promised them the world, but you know, if, if they do say, Hey, do this and, and, you know, get some guys and do it. So I would love some perspective on, on that. If you have any to share. So I really love this question because I led exoduses within parish specifically, like the parish context was where, where I was leading. Um, this is a different thing because exodus itself is not necessarily like a, a program. I wouldn't necessarily call it like heavily program based so much as it's like an intense spiritual exercise that really teaches you like what is and what's always been Catholic, which is to avoid the near occasion of sin, to use discipline and tools to chase virtue and be with the Lord. Um, spend time in scripture like th these are things that are just thoroughly deeply catholic um i would say the the benefit that this has is that it's highly focused you know we're all here for the same purpose we're all here doing the same thing it honestly has the benefit of like it's a limited time sometimes people like don't want to sign up for a group or a ministry because it's like a, a life sentence and so it's like you know you're here you're 90 days um and it, and it allows that level of depth that, that we just don't have in our ordinary day-to-day -day lives. We don't have an ordinary day-to-day -day groups. Um, so I would say that this is, um, it's unique in that it's, it's highly personal. It's a limited amount of time, um, but it, it cuts deep and that's what a lot of men need. Um, just one note, like within the parish context specifically is like, um, when your pastor's on board, like Exodus 90 can be such a beautiful thing. And if you're worried about what pastor might might say or how to approach pastor, like um, I would just encourage like, like do Exodus, like invite a couple of guys. Numbers don't matter so much as like hearts, right? So um, it, it might be tempting to say like, I got to perish 800 people. Let's get all the men, all 400 men, like through Exodus and start with three. Start, the numbers don't matter. Um, but I can guarantee you, like when your pastor sees engaged on fire men who are showing up for confession, adoration, mass, bringing their families, bringing their kids, rightly ordering their family lives, teaching their families how to live the Catholic faith, um, no pastor is going to be upset about that. So like, that's a really, really good thing for, for a parish to see men alive like that. And if you're looking for a place to start, just start with a few men and you'll see it grow through your parish. So yeah, Andrew, I, I love what you said there um, about, you know, but the numbers don't matter to start, you know, start small, start with, with what you do. And I'm, I'm reminded of like, you know, in, in Nehemiah, when they're rebuilding the wall, Jerusalem, they didn't go out and try and do it all in one day. They just do the stuff right out in front of your home. Like what if the guys you invite are the ones who you happen to know, or who kids the same age or who sit near you at mass or whatever, like start with, Start with that. And I don't know what's been promised to you before about other programs or, well, this is going to, you know, bring all kinds of guys, you know, out of lukewarm and into being on fire for Christ. I, you know, uh, I, I can't speak to those promises broken or kept, but I feel like Exodus is different um, for, for the reasons that Andrew talked about, right? It's not a, it's not a program. It's a, it's a spiritual exercise for men. It's something that, that does cut deeper. And one of the, things that I've, in my own experience that I've found can be problematic in smaller men's groups or ministries at a, at a parish. Um, they tend to be like age striated, right? Like, well, this is the Bible study for all the old guys. And here's the one, like, here's this thing that people do while their kids are in religious ed on Wednesday nights. And that's these younger guys thing. And um, I've found in some of our fraternities that exodus and the desire um, that, this freedom stirs up in us, right? Cuts through a lot of these boundaries and things that we build up. And I think that really is the heart, or it needs to be, 
at the heart of the church and renewal that I think we probably all are seeking, right, is is an intergenerational um, group that is like striving for holiness, chasing virtue and leading their families, whether you've got, whether you're, you know, single or married or married with little kids or you're long since retired, like we're all after the same thing. And Exodus, I think, is uniquely able to to cut through some of the, I don't know, uh, difficulties in getting us to relate outside of guys our age. At least that's been my experience. So with regard to men's groups, kind of like being successful, quote unquote, I would say, okay, well, what do you define as successful? That's an important type of thing that we've kind of touched on and setting out expectations. So if you, if by successful, you mean this group of guys going to go through this spiritual exercise through 90 days and each one of them is going to, you know, grow in their relationship with God then yeah, this is going to be able to deliver on that. Um, whether it gives you the world, I would say actually it gives you not the world because you're rejecting a lot of the world, right? Which is a good thing. But the idea that like you got to be clear about what your goals and objectives are out of any uh, men's group is kind of where you need to start, right? And so like if you want a social club that just continues to meet over time, okay, well, that's that's there's value in that. Right. And you got to do the things that help pursue that. But if you want something that is, again, a, a pretty intensive spiritual exercise, then here's uh, a program or, um, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity for you able to do, be able to do that. So I would just say, like, clarifying expectations in your own mind. And then with the guys that you're getting together, that's the, where I would start out. To your point, like there's no silver bullet, right? Like we all look for like, what's going to be the most effective thing for bringing souls to Christ. And like Christ is the only silver bullet. So like mm -hmm. in some way it's like Exodus is great because it's so akin to like, it creates the space of allowing Christ in, it allows you time of quiet, allows you time and adoration allows you like, and you could do those things with or without Exodus and, and encounter Christ. So, um, I think that's what the Exodus is so, why Exodus is so great is that it just creates the space for Christ to do what Christ needs to do. Hmm. Amen. Yeah. And I, I would just uh, tack on to close that out um, for, it's like, yeah, there are, there are other really great things out there, you know, in, in terms of men's uh, ministries and programs and, and retreats, this can be great, right? It's just, what's the Lord asking you to do? And we, we know what we are specifically and, and what the Lord's asked us and tasked us to do here at Exodus. And so if, if you understand what that is and you kind of feel that string or that tug to do it, do it and find a couple guys to do it with you. Um, and, you know, as these guys said, it's not going to promise you the world, but it, but it will give you an opportunity, a door that will be held open to walk towards Christ and to go sit before him and then see what he desires for you to do uh, in your life. And then just, you know, as his mother says, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Brothers, I'm so grateful for your time and your wisdom and your experience. Thanks for joining us here on the Burning Bush Podcast. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. A deep and sincere thank you to Adam and the guest panel today. If you want to gain more insights and tips on how to lead an Exodus fraternity, head over to our new platform, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was built with Exodus leaders in mind and offers a short nine-part series on how to lead an Exodus 90 fraternity, along with promo tools to help spread the word in your area and much more. You can find all of that at exodus90.com leaders right now. Until next time, let's pray. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, brothers.